Thank you, Dan. And thank you for that offering. It's harder to do the offering for me than to, pray, than to preach. It's a difficult thing. So thank you, and, and Doug, thank you. A few weeks ago, Doug Lang sort of convicted us by reminding us that we tip our wait staff more than we tip the Lord. I found that so convicting that I've started tipping 10%. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> that was the intention, wasn't it? <laughs> the great prophet Isaiah opened his writing, his great book, by telling us that he served God under the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, which may not mean anything to us, but to his original readers, that meant a great deal. Most of the prophets named the kings under whom they served because the kings shaped the culture. And a lot of what the, the prophets were writing were writing into the culture. And to understand what they were writing, you had to understand the, the, the nature of the kingdom at the time they were prophesying, preaching, and writing. Because kings make a difference. Leaders make a difference that make a difference. Leadership matters. Israel was being ground down by their, the Egyptian slave masters. They cried out to God, and God raised up a man named Moses, a leader. And he led them out of their bondage in Egypt. Leaders make a difference. Leadership matters. Israel was being oppressed by the Philistines, helplessly oppressed by their enemies, until a man named David came and delivered them from the Philistine threat. Leaders make a difference. Leadership matters. The Babylonians broke down the wall and the temple and the homes in the city of Jerusalem. For 90 years, the Jews returned to their homeland and lived without a wall to protect them in the city of Jerusalem. Until a man named Nehemiah showed up and 52, years, 52 days later, the wall that couldn't be built for 90 years was built in 52 days. And the people felt safe in their city of Jerusalem. Leaders make a difference. Leadership matters. We see it in the military. We see it in business. We see it in education. We see it in the church. Leaders matter. That's why when the church in Jerusalem outgrew the capacity of the apostles to, to minister to everybody, they said, raise up Seven more leaders, seven more people, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, and people of good reputation. Because leaders make a difference in two ways. Sometimes leaders make things better, and sometimes leaders make things worse. 
Paul wrote to two young pastors, Timothy and Titus, and said to them, it is a good thing if a person wants to lead in the church to be an elder or a deacon. But these people must be above reproach. And it is a long list of qualifications for people who want to lead in the church. Right now, we are in a position of looking for leaders. <laughs> uh, the PNC is looking for a new pastor leader, somebody who knows how to do the job. <laughs> our pastor, our nominating committee are looking for elders and deacons and trustees, men and women who will stand up and provide leadership for this church because leaders make a difference for good or for not so good. Leadership matters. And one of the great illustrations of that we find in Judges chapter 9. It was an interesting time in Israel's history. You know the name Gideon. You've seen the Gideon Bible, and some of you know the story of Gideon. He delivered the Israelites from the Midianites, a very oppressive enemy that was just ruining life in Israel. They were stealing their crops, killing their people, and there was nothing they could do about it until God raised up this judge named Gideon. And we read about Gideon, it says the, uh, the Midianite, uh, this Midianite was subdued before the Israelites and did not taste, raise its head again during Gideon's lifetime. The land had peace 40 years. So Gideon was a hero. Gideon did what nobody else could do. He got rid of the Midianites. And in fact, after he won that great battle with the Midianites and, and drove them away, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of the Midianites. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Gideon said, thanks very much, but no thanks. God is the ruler, not me. But one of his sons had a different idea. One of his sons was named Abimelech. Avimelech, which means son of a king. And Abimelech decided, you know, I think it would be cool to be king. I'd like to rule over them. So he went to his hometown, Shechem, and he got all of his people, his relatives, all riled up saying, you should anoint me the ruler. You should make me king. Now, Gideon has 70 other sons besides me, so I don't want any competition, so I'm going to pay a bunch of you thugs to go with me, and we're going to go and kill all 70 of Gideon's sons. And they almost succeeded. One son hid himself and escaped from Abimelech's miserable self. A young man named Jotham. Well, Abimelech went back home after killing the sons, and he convinced the people to crown him, to make him king over that city and over that region. I don't know what his further plans were, but it sounds like he was looking to become king of the whole nation of Israel. But he was a rat. He was a rascal. He was an evil, greedy, power-hungry man. 
And this son, Jotham, that had Gideon's son who had escaped the uh, Abimelech's slaughter, showed up in Shechem, and he gave a speech. And he told a wonderful fable. And I want to read that fable to you and look at it together this morning. When Jotham was told that the people of Shechem were going to crown Abimelech king, he climbed up on the town of Mount Gerizim and shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. And he was told this fable. Now, a fa- you know the difference between a fable and a parable. A parable is an untrue story that could happen. The parable of the Good Samaritan. There was no Good Samaritan. There are hundreds of Good Samaritans. That's a story that could have happened. A fable is an untrue story that couldn't happen. Aesop's fables. There's no Grinch under the bridge. Or Grinch, whatever that is. What's the creature under the bridge? Troll, thank you. Yes, somebody's been reading. Yes, the troll. There's a, but it's a fable. It's not intended to be taken as, as something that could actually happen. So he told him this, this, uh, this uh, what did I just a fable of the trees. And here he said, all right, the uh, citizen, uh, uh, the, uh, one day the trees went out to anoint a king over them. Okay, that's the first clue that this is a fable. All right. Then they said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree answered, should I give up my oil by which both men and God, by gods and men are, are honored to sway over the trees, to be ruler over the trees? He said, no. No, I, I'm producing. I'm producing one of the most expensive crops that our nation has. Olive oil, terribly expensive and very necessary. I'm doing a good thing. I can't leave this and go be your king. Next, the tree said to the fig tree, hey, you come and be our king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to sway over the trees? I'm doing good. I produce this good fruit. I'm active. I'm busy. And if I go be king, I can't do this good thing I'm already doing. Uh, you know, and I, I can contribute in other ways. You know, I, I don't want to be an elder in the church and go sit in meetings. I can stand on the sidelines and lob my advice in from the sidelines. <laughs> Some people see it as criticism, but they just don't understand how smart I really am. <laughs> and well, he said, no, I, I, I can't do that. Sorry. I, I, no. Uh, so the tree said to the vine, you come and be our king. But the vine answered, should I give up my wine, which cheers both gods and humans to hold sway over the trees? No, I, I'm producing. I'm busy. I'm doing good things. In fact, I like making people happy. That's what wine does. And leaders sometimes have to make tough decisions. People get mad at them. And they have to do things that not everybody likes. So I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just make people happy. So I, I don't have time don't have interest. Well, the olive tree, the fig tree, the vine said no. So the trees got a little bit desperate. Finally, finally, all the trees said to the bramble, you come, be our king. The bramble is a useless vine. It grows along the ground, produces nothing. But out of desperation, they said, hey, we've got to have a leader. Got to have a leader. 
The thorn bush said to the trees, If you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thorn bushes, out of the thorn bush, and consume the cedars of Lebanon. So here's this worthless twit of a bramble. Good for nothing. Say, well, okay, here's the deal. You want me to lead? All the trees have to be in my shade. Now stop and think about that for a moment. What's the bramble's philosophy of leadership? For the trees, the cedars of Lebanon, the pine trees, all the fig tree and the olive tree and all these other trees, if I'm going to be your leader, nobody can be bigger than me. Nobody can outshine me. I got to be the biggest, the baddest, the best. So, because I am on the ground down here, all of you gifted people, all of you trees that are producing fruit, all of you trees, you have to be less than me. Bad philosophy of leadership. And if you don't, let fire come out from the bramble and consume these majestic trees of Babylon. The way I'm going to rule is I will threaten you, I will hurt you, I will make life miserable for you, unless you do exactly what I tell you. And the principle of this fable, remember the setting, this wicked man said, I want to be your king. And in the fable, because no one else would do the job, they resorted finally to someone who was totally incapable of doing the job. And the principle of the fable is, if the able are unwilling, they will be led by the willing but unable. If the able are unwilling, they will be led by the willing but unable which is a tragedy for any organization, especially for a church. Because what Paul was saying to Timothy and Titus about these leaders, these deacons, these elders, to be above reproach means to be, another way of talking about it is without handles. In other words, if somebody wants to accuse you of something, they can't get a grasp. It doesn't stick. Remember the Teflon president. We need Teflon leaders. If somebody were to say, did you know what elder so-and-so did? Everybody who knows that person would say, I can't believe that. That makes no sense whatever. Instead of saying, well, yeah, you know, I've had some dealings with him. Yeah, I've watched her at work. I, I, yeah, I guess I could believe that. See, that's not above reproach. One of the great illustrations of this is the, the prophet, I mean, the judge and prophet Samuel, who was the first kingmaker in Israel. He had judged over Israel for many, many, many years, and he traveled around the whole nation. He was an, one of the national judges, one of the very few who was over the whole nation of Israel. And, and he, uh, he, he had to be the judge. He had to make judgments sometimes that made people very unhappy. See, if, if Dan sold Doug a goat, 
And then Doug got home and the goat was sick. And he went back to Dan and said, hey, you sold me a bad goat. And Dan would say, I, didn't, I sold you a good goat. You made it sick. See, there's some money on the line there. You know, who, who's right? Well, they wait till Samuel shows up. Samuel hears the case out. And he says, you sold him a bad goat. Dan says, I'll get you, <laughs> Mr. Judge. Well, near the end of his life, Samuel made a challenge, a friendly challenge, to the people of Israel. He said, if I have wronged anyone, if I have cheated anyone, if I have lied to anyone, accuse me. And nobody said a word. After that long, long tenure of potentially making enemies, this man was above reproach, without handles. Those are the kind of people we want sitting around our leadership tables here at Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. And some of you may be like the olive tree. He says, man, I'm busy. I'm doing stuff. I'm doing good things. I'm serving in the church. Thank God for that. But if you are able, if you have a leadership management talent, if you have wisdom that God has given you, consider serving as a leader in this church. We need you. I told a previous church where I was pastoring, we had some elders who were concerned about whether they had to come to all the elders' meetings. And I said, the second one you miss without telling us you're off the board. Well, that's kind of harsh. I said, no, it isn't. I don't know what your jobs are. I know your dads and granddads and moms and grandmothers. And some of you run large businesses. I know all that. But as far as I can figure it out, if you are an elder or a deacon or a trustee in this church, nothing you do is more important than what you do here. Because this is eternal work. I'm not saying it's, it's uh, more important than raising your family. I'm saying it's as important because your family should be coming to this church. Our country and our world is in trouble. And the answer to the troubles we're in is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the carrier of the message of our Lord Jesus Christ is the church. We need the best leadership we can possibly find to lead this church. I say that about our elder, deacon, trustee boards, and I say that about the search for a pastor. If you're not praying diligently for the men and women who will fill these positions, I challenge you to do so daily. This is a crucial, critical time in this church. In the nation Israel, every time a king died, the nation held its breath. 
because they could go after Hezekiah died, one of the great reformer kings, a godly man. He got rid of the idol altars and the, the Asherah poles and, and the, the lewd, wretched approaches to worship that people in Israel had been practicing before he became king. He was king for 50 years. Glorious, wonderful king. It was Isaiah's major time in, in the ministry. It was under Hezekiah. The nation was in a beautiful shape. He died, and his son Manasseh came to the throne. And Judah went from its best time to its worst time. What made the difference? Leaders make a difference. Leadership matters. Now, I've talked about this uh, fable from a leadership standpoint, and, and it's, that's the primary focus of it. So let me say once again, if you have been considering or not considering, stepping up to one of these offices in the church, and you are qualified. Ask God to give you wisdom about what you should do. Now there are fig trees and olive trees and vine trees, good, productive, wise people who should not step into an office for one reason or another. So I'm not laying a guilt trip saying everybody who doesn't sign up is, a, is bad, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying if it's possible. If you feel that you can do this and you have something to contribute, we need you. So this fable is, first of all, about formal leadership. But it's also about moms and dads. It's also about spouses, about friends. It's about anybody who relates to anyone else because I don't know about you, but I, I have a brambleness in me, too. And there's some... Folks who just have to be bigger than anyone else. They have to be the biggest and the baddest and the best about everything. And if somebody doesn't treat them in the way they feel they deserve, fire comes out from the bramble and consumes the cedars of Lebanon. I was a dean at a time at a Christian university, and my job was to hire good faculty. So I looked for the best I could find. And I found some really good, young, sharp, attractive, with it faculty members who were a lot closer to the age of the students. They kind of got the students in a way that the old geezer wasn't getting them anymore. And every year at graduation, the senior students selected a speaker for the banquet they had the night before graduation, their families were there and their friends were there, and it was a wonderful thing. And they always selected a, a faculty member, a favorite faculty member, to give the address. And for years, I was the one. And then one year, they asked this new faculty member I had hired. <laughs> Brilliant. Aaron was just finishing up his dissertation, attractive. He was a professional, he was, went to Bethel Seminary here before he did his PhD. He was a professional beach volleyball player. So, you know, he was one of those. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the bramble raised its head. How do I get rid of this guy? I was depressed. No longer the favorite. 
May fire come out. You rest in my shade, Bubba. I'm the boss. You get under me. Why? Why? I, I, I want to talk to Jeanette about it, and she kicked some sense into my head. We got over it. It was fine. But I didn't know that was even in there until it happened. So, yeah, for leaders to say, I've got to be the biggest and the best and the baddest, and everybody has to be less than me, no matter how small or inadequate I am, you have to be less than me. You can't outshine me. You can't have a better idea than I have. You can't do a better job than I do. You can't get more praise than I do. You ever feel any of that? You look so pious. The fire ever come out from the bramble and consume somebody who's taking the limelight away? So it's a great caution for all of us, and the best way around it is not to think about not being a bramble. It's to think about being a godly human being. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you can love your neighbor as yourself, even if she's prettier than you even if he's smarter than you, even if he outshines you, even if she contradicts you when you say something you thought was right and bright and you want to just get her back. Or is that just me? <laughs> I don't think so. So the fable, a good fable, a helpful fable uh, to encourage us to Step up as parents, as friends, to be an olive tree, a fig tree, a grapevine that's producing, that's making a good difference. But when the time comes to step up and provide that leadership, because if the able are unwilling, we will be led by the willing but unable. So, Lord, lead us. Guide us, show us who the people are you want to be leaders in this church, both as lay leaders, elders, deacons, Bible teachers, trustees. And Lord, as we're in this process of looking for a, a pastoral leader, give us your wisdom. Show us the way to go, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in your bulletin, in your, in your bulletin, it says we are to do communion. Well, we, we contacted our communion cup company because we were getting low on communion cups, and they said, we don't have any. So there's a shortage of communion cups. We had 200, but we thought, well, that's not enough, and we didn't want to say, well, you can be sanctified this week. You have to live in your sin, so you better be good this month because it ain't told... So uh, we're not going to do communion this morning because we don't have the cups. Our supplier couldn't get them to us. But uh, I do want to take a moment to remember that this is a time we reflect on what Jesus did for us. That last night before he was crucified, he ate dinner with his disciples. And he said, I, 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 I don't ever want you to forget what I'm going to do tomorrow. 
when I die in your place. I will be crucified to pay the penalty for your sins because I love you that much. And you're going to be shocked tomorrow, he said to these 11 guys, when you see that. You're going to see my body broken. You're going to see me bleeding on the cross. It's going to be an awful thing. But I know that over time, other things will crowd into your life and you will forget. Because you're human and you're busy. So I want to give you a ceremony so that whenever you celebrate this event and you eat this bread and you drink this cup, I ask one thing. Remember me. Remember me. We don't have the stuff, but let's take a moment to bow our heads and in our own mind and heart, just thank our Lord Jesus Christ for what he did for you that day on the cross. Just pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this ceremony, this moment, this sacrament of remembering your death and your resurrection. We do it once a month, and we thank you for that privilege. But deliver us, O oh Lord, from only thinking about it once a month. And I pray that our whole lives will reflect your love and your life at work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.